Good morning, church. Thank you for having me today. I'm the Reverend Leah Romanelli de Jesus, the priest in charge at St. Luke's in Cleveland on the west side. I'm with you today instead of St. Luke's because your associate rector, the Reverend Brandon Ashcraft, is one of the trustees at St. Luke's. And in an effort to support the relationship between our two parishes, we decided to swap pulpits today. So Brandon is on the west side holding things down. I will tell you, you have such a wonderful and dedicated priest. St. Luke's just has one service at 10.30 in the morning, and St. Paul's clearly has three. Brandon was at your first two services, <laughs> even though we could have had a morning off. <laughs> it feels a little bit odd to me to lead with that introduction because prior to the pandemic, I was also your director of youth ministries, and you all were my sponsoring parish for the discernment process and seminary. I want to begin by saying thank you for all of your support and prayers and love over the past several years during the discernment and ordination process. We made it. Woo. <laughs> One of the many privileges of being your director of youth ministries was to get to travel with your teenagers. And personally, one of the privileges of my life has been the experience of travel. I'm sure many of you can relate. During the pandemic, though, when I started to feel the walls close in around me, I started printing off pictures of my adventures around the world. We lived in a fairly large house, so I had some space to fill the walls up with these mountaintop experiences to remember the times that I got to be with God in nature and learn new things about myself and the world. Some of them were literally mountaintop experiences, including a few from the time, during the, from the time that I spent with your teenagers, taking them to Harlan, Kentucky, and Taizé, France. These photos of Harlan and Taizé, Banff and Tintagel, they became windows of escape during the initial lockdown. I would tell myself, I can be okay in this moment because I have been to the mountain and I know that everything I see out my windows is not everything that exists in the world right now. Our disciples have their own mountaintop experiences today in the gospel, literally and figuratively. Jesus is transfigured. This Sunday is called the Transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ because today Jesus brings his three best friends up a mountain to pray. And in praying, the fullness of Jesus' divinity is revealed through a change that comes over his body. White robes, bright lights, and then Moses and Elijah, the fathers of the Old Testament law and prophets, stand on either side of him. A cloud descends and a voice from heaven says, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. There is a lot 
going on in the gospel today that is symbolic and important. And I think there's something else going on here that we usually overlook. It doesn't get stated explicitly, but the disciples' eyes and hearts are also transfigured. Because Jesus has always been God. This is nothing new to him. But being able to see Jesus in the full revelation of himself is new for the disciples. And Jesus chooses to let that happen today. Peter's reaction to all of this is to try to preserve the moment. He wants to build tents, portable places of worship on the mountain. If Peter were in the modern era, he would be watching the transfiguration through the lens on his iPhone and uploading it to Instagram. He would be like me, taking a million photos and posting them on all of his walls. We humans have this tendency to try to grasp what is ephemeral and make it permanent because we know that we have encountered something new, something that shifts the foundation of our reality forever. And we just want to hang on to it for a minute. But the transfiguration isn't intended for just the moment. It cannot be contained in a tent or a photo or even time itself. This temporal encounter with eternal holiness is intended for the trip down the mountain. It incorporates itself into our lives and hearts and helps us see the divine in our own reality. I had my own personal transfiguration moment earlier this year that has changed the way I see everyday life. I had COVID this spring, and so I was away from work for about 10 days, which meant that I missed two of our Wednesday night community meals. Now, I didn't really think much about it because it was a mild case, and I was caught up in feeling annoyed. However, when I returned to St. Luke's and showed up to work at the community meal, an older gentleman named Hank walked in. Now, Hank, wanted to be a pastor when he was a young man, but he stayed home and took care of his ailing parents instead. He is passionate about cruelty-free food, which is a really difficult value to live into when you live outside and your next meal depends on other people. Because of him, St. Luke's has shifted from having just a vegetarian option to a vegan option, so that Hank always has somewhere he knows he can have something to eat. He's a little shorter than me. He has the happiest blue eyes you've ever seen in your life. And he talks about a mile a minute, always at the top of his voice. The minute Hank entered the dining room, he made a beeline for me, exclaiming, Mother Leah, I'm so glad you're back. I started to laugh and say thank you when he came in and wrapped me in a bear hug. I'm sorry I usually ask, but I just have to do this. And then he told me something that changed my life. 
I've been sending you healing prayers all week. I wasn't going to let you die. And that is the moment that my heart and my eyes were transfigured. Because I had a lot of thoughts and questions about Hank's proclamation, but the overwhelming thing that I was left with was the feeling to have this man that I felt like I hardly knew hold me in such faith and love completely blew me away. And I want to be clear here, I am not bringing this up just because I felt loved and cared for. I am bringing this up because I thought my congregation met on Sundays at 10.30 and had spirituality group on Mondays at 7. But it turns out that my congregation is actually very active at 5 o'clock on Wednesdays, too. Before, all I could see were people who were coming to St. Luke's who experienced more need than, frankly, I'm comfortable thinking about most of the time, hoping that the church would have something that we could give them. I had been telling myself that community felt like having a community meal felt like having a second congregation. How selfish and myopic of me. They are my congregation. Community meal is an experience of church. We even pray and break bread for goodness sake. The parishioners that I see on Wednesday are not just an embodiment of what they need. We are each our whole selves everywhere we go. We are all of our humanity and all of our holiness wrapped up in one body, just like Jesus. But how often do our eyes filter out each other's divinity so that we just can interact with each other based on what we need, based on what we think someone wants to get from us? And how often do we hide behind the facade of politeness as a way to stay protected from really knowing others and even ourselves. Hank has completely changed my experience of ministry at St. Luke's. My whole job at Community Meal is just to sit and talk to people, to be a pastoral presence. And before, I would sit down across from someone and say, so how are you doing? Now, I just sit down. And people talk about all kinds of things. Yes, sometimes there's a need they'd like help with or a prayer that they'd like to say together. But mostly, I'm getting to know about their families, their opinions on the new Barbie movie, the books they like to read. And more often than not, they're praying for me as often as I pray for them. Because everyone has their own spirituality and belief system even if it's not Christian, and it goes with them everywhere they go. Everyone carries God's image with them. There is always more going on in every person we meet than we can see. I've carried this experience of church with me down the mountain. It has affected the ways in which I approach not only Community Meal and St. Luke's other outreach ministries, but also the way I see the checkout clerk at GFS 
and the guy who pushes his cart aggressively around Target like it's the Indy 500. It even changes the way I interact with my nine-year-old son, who frankly baffles me so deeply most of the time that I struggle to figure out that we're related. <laughs> we are all human, and we are all divine. We can't really take a picture of that and hang it on the wall to remind us that more exists in each person than we can usually see. But we can practice. And, like Jesus and his friends, we can pray. Later in this service, we are going to be baptizing this perfect, adorable little guy over here in front. And it is so easy for us to see the humanity and the holiness of tiny people when they're so new and every experience is the first one. But part of our vow that we make during the baptismal covenant is to support Freddie in his life in Christ, to hold him in faith the way that Hank held me in faith and love. This doesn't mean just teaching him when to sit and stand during church or to memorize the Nicene Creed. It means to help Freddie as he grows figure out what it means to live into the transfiguration. To remember that when all we can see about humanity is one thing, that there's always more going on. And that the revelation of Jesus' holiness not only gives us hope for the future resurrection, but deep joy in the present. May we all have eyes and hearts to see and celebrate both the humanity and the holiness in all of Christ's creation. Amen.